Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be when I was a kid, probably before I was in my teens, uh, I was working on the, the family ranch down in Palacios, Texas, and th- we found some trespassers that were hiding in our land, and we, me and my cousin Mike, we went to go see about where they were, and they pulled guns on us, and they put shotguns in our face, and they said they were going to kill us. I remember the look of that angry guy, and he was looking at me down a shotgun uh, barrel with his finger on the trigger, and I didn't know how sensitive that trigger was. Maybe he wouldn't intend to pull it, and it'd go off and blow my head off, you know. So here I am facing that before I was even a teenager. Well, this past weekend, for some reason, I had a bad dream, a very bad dream, and relived the whole thing all over again. And I come out of it, and Anna knew something was wrong, and I didn't want to talk about it, and I was quiet the whole day. I went through this sermon study. And by the time I finished it up, it fixed me again. I'm good because it talks about different kinds of suffering. There's more than one kind of suffering. Are we suffering for bad decisions or sinful things, or are we suffering for the Lord? So Peter, he's been teaching us here in the book of first Peter, he's been teaching Christians how you're supposed to maintain a proper behavior. We can't just fly off the handle and have knee jerk reactions to everything. We have to behave a certain way because people are watching us. And our response even to suffering, see, he had told us in the first two chapters, we're supposed to submit to authority. He's going to teach us today that our response to suffering is also critical when it comes to representing Jesus to other people. First Peter 3 and 13, it's talking about suffering for right and wrong. So you can already tell there's two different kinds of suffering going on here, okay? He says, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. So Peter asked us Christian believers a question designed to make us think about our identity. Our identity. Who do do you really trust in? Who do you believe in? Are you a Christian like you say you are? This question will put you there. The question is, who's going to harm you? Who's going to hurt you? If you decide to follow the Lord for who is good, who can really harm you? His question is not just asking us something. He's telling us through the question that if you're in Jesus Christ, no one can truly harm you. Now, I just told you my story. I was harmed when I was a teenager, and that hurt, okay? I'm not saying you're not going to get hurt sometime. I got hurt through that experience, but I've now turned it around, and I'm using it I used it in my story to you today about how the Lord's word fixed me of that, uh, you know, for at least to be able to get through this message, because I'll tell you guys, I didn't even want to do this message today. I really didn't want to do it. I wanted to shut down. 
say, Mike, pull something out of your back pocket. Come up here with a message. I'm getting in the truck. I'm driving up to the farm, and I'm going to be gone for a week. I'm not doing this this time. And the Lord goes, yes, you are. (laughs) He's like, you take that pain, you use it, and you tell people what you can do now that he's restored me, okay? But no one can truly harm you, for real, and deepwardly. So even if you do suffer, make sure you suffer for righteousness' sake, is what he said. You are blessed in that. You know how everybody says, I want a blessing from the Lord. Oh, Lord, bless me, bless me. Okay, here's a big way of how you're going to get it. It's through suffering. Oh, I don't like that part. That's not the God I believe in. I don't want the suffering. Just bless me and make me feel good all the time. Okay, that's not biblical. We don't belong here. This is not our home. The world hates us. Yes, we're going to suffer. But you're blessed in that. So even if you suffer for righteousness sake, you're, you're blessed because you have the Lord's protection. You know, I remember when Jesus was at the dinner table, right before he said, I'm the way, he said in John 14, 1, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So there's this dynamic at work here that when you're in Jesus Christ, you shouldn't have to fear like unbelievers will fear because we're like, Lord, I'm, I'm hurting right now. Oh, Lord, I'm messed up right now. But Lord, I trust in you. Thank you for getting me this far. Jesus is directly saying that he and God are one and the same in here. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus is God. I don't know how, who needs to hear that today, but they need to know Jesus is God. Now, there's way too many people out there today. They're giving all their faith to the government. They're giving all their belief and all their trust and all their comfort into money. All their trust is, is, is going into the wrong things. And because of that, they're allowing their fear to be rattled by unbelievers who don't have the same foundation that we do. We have the foundation of Jesus Christ. They don't. If you want them to find that foundation, it depends on how you respond to your suffering. So it just makes me ask why the question why. Why for some people who you're, you're putting your trust in the wrong things? Why is Jesus not enough for you? Why do you need other things more than Jesus Christ to have total peace? Friends, Jesus is enough. He's enough. And if we need to be corrected by God's word here today, then let's allow God's word to have its place so that we can take comfort in the Lord's protection and provision that we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be troubled because Jesus is in control. And for those of you who are doing good in the name of Jesus Christ, no real harm can come to them. And Peter went back to the Old Testament to quote what Isaiah had said. He went back to Isaiah 8 and 8. says, do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. See how Peter quoted Isaiah. Verse 13, the Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow, which means honor. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary. You're going to be afraid of something. Be afraid of the Lord God. Have a healthy fear of the Lord. You want to dread something. Dread what the Lord's going to say to you if he catches you not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Okay. It's a waste of time to be afraid all the time while Jesus is in control all the time. Why be scared all the time when he's in control? We know it. Why don't we believe it? Well, I know he's in control. Well, why are you freaked out? Well, I don't know. Because you need to swallow that fear from the head to the heart where you believe he's in control instead of just know it. So let's remember that Peter said Christians are blessed when suffering occurs. 
the world is lying to you because it's telling you that you can only be blessed when you're happy, when you gain something positive, when you say, yes, I like this. The world is saying that's the only time you can be blessed is when everything feels wonderful. The Bible says you're blessed in your suffering. Wow, that's backwards to me. But that's, that's the Lord, okay? So there is actual blessing and suffering, but it's going to take a biblically educated Christian to be able to see it like that. Because I know a lot of people, where I just don't see it that way, Ray. Well, let the Bible teach you today. It's a privilege to suffer for the Lord. Ah, man, I've had people come at me and attack me and say nasty things to my face or emails or whatever. And the first thing I want to do is ball up my fist and say, let's go, buddy. But then I stop and go, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, this is a privilege to do this for the Lord, to be called names like that. <laughs> you know, if they can see Jesus in me clear enough to get mad at me for it, then, then amen. <laughs> but you, you may be asking the question, how can I feel privileged to suffer? Well, let me put it this way. If Jesus suffered for our salvation, then if people persecute us because of Jesus, then yeah, that means they're seeing Jesus in you, and you should consider it a privilege if people can see Jesus in your life so clearly. If they hate the Lord so much that they hate you, obviously they're seeing Jesus in you. Take that as a privilege. Yes, they see the Lord in me. I don't want to compromise to the world. I don't want to suppress Jesus in my life so that people will be nicer to me. You know, a lot of Christians do that. They dial back on their Christian living so that people won't hate them. Guys, that don't work. You're all in or you're out, okay? But it's an honor that we should take. It is a blessing to suffer for the Lord. It is a privilege. I don't need to be troubled by anyone who thinks they can harm me because I know the Lord has everything under control. 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. You should always have a reason for why you believe in Jesus. Don't just say, well, I got a great church, because people in false religions have great churches in their mind. And don't say, well, God is good to me, because all religions, they say, well, my God is good to me too. You need to have a defense. You need to have reasons why you believe in Jesus Christ specifically. Don't just call him G-O-D. Call him by his name, the God of Israel. Call him Jesus. Specify who you believe in. Don't dial your Christianity down so they won't hurt you. It's, well, I believe in God and keep it nice and low level. You tell them, Jesus. And they're going to say, well, why this Jesus thing? Because I don't buy it. You need to have your story ready. You need to have your testimony, which is who you used to be, how he saved you, and how you've been changed ever since. And you need to be ready with that story and have a Bible verse or two to back it up. Always be ready to answer why you believe instead of just saying, well, because. Most people I ask them, why do you believe? Well, you know, because. Because, you know, my mom and dad brings me to church, and it's an okay church. And I, Nobody's going to flip over to Jesus over that. Give them your story. Be ready for real. So instead of being afraid of the world out there, Peter gave us the alternative to that. He said, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That's the trick. Sanctify means you set something apart to purify it. You sanctify it. I'm going to set this aside, and I'm going to be ready for it. I have a shed in my backyard. It's got a very leaky roof, and it's got a big hole in it. It's beyond repair. What I really should do is tear it down and get a totally new one. But I've got a lot of tools. Some I keep in the shed, like the lawnmower is okay in the shed, and some I keep in my toolbox in the house. 
I won't let the good hand tools that are in the toolbox in the house, I won't let those be out in the shed because I'm afraid they're going to rust. Now, the other day I found an old set of channel locks. We were going to try to do the plumbing ourselves here at the church, and it didn't go over well. So I needed some channel locks, and I went to go look for those channel locks, and I found them. They're so rusty, you can't even open and close them. They're in bad shape. So I set all my good tools apart. I want to keep my good tools in the house so they're in good condition so I can work more effectively with them. So Peter said, sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Take everything of the Lord. Don't store it in the leaky shed of fear. Don't put it there. You're going to rust it out. You're going to waste it, and you're not ever going to use it right. Take all your faith, take all your trust, and store it in a better place. Store it in your heart. Sanctify the Lord God there where you and the Holy Spirit can keep all the things of God in good condition so that you can work his righteousness much more effectively. There's a lot of Christians that are bad managers of their skills and gifts. They store it in bad, leaky roof places. And when they're, oh, oh, I need that tool, it don't work very well. And you lost an opportunity to share the Lord with somebody. Now your conduct isn't reacting right under suffering, and you just missed a lot of good chances to share the gospel. Don't store your faith in the wrong shed, so to speak. Sanctify the Lord. Set him apart. Why? So that when people ask you why Jesus is the real way to go, then you're going to be ready to give a good defense on why you chose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your tools in the right place. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. When you're worried about the world out there, and just turn on the TV for not 30 seconds and watch the news or something, it doesn't matter which news channel, they're all a mess, you'll get worried real quick. And now your faith is going to start getting rusty. And then the skeptics will never believe your reasons on why Jesus can be trusted. I know some people that go around, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and they're worried and messed up and nobody's going to believe them. Well, I believe in Jesus. Why should I believe in Jesus when you look the mess you are? And I'm not saying you got to be perfect. I'm saying you at least have a good uh, confidence in the Lord God that he can take care of things. So when you look scared and worried all the time, you say, I trust in Jesus. They're going to look at the strain on, their, on your face, and they're not going to buy it. They're not going to believe in Jesus. So Peter had asked the question, who, is he, who can harm you if you become followers of the Lord God who is good? Who can harm you? When you wear that harm, I'm not saying you're not going to get hurt, but I'm saying when you wear it and you spout it and you put it all over everybody, doesn't do them any good. They're not going to want Jesus over that. Store your faith in a good place so that when people ask you why Jesus, then you're going to give them a confident answer. And guys, I'll tell you, you can give a confident answer for following Jesus even when you're going through a hard time, especially when you're going through a hard time. I'll put it to you this way. When you're going through a hard time, people will listen to you more than when everything's rosy. Suffering can be blessing. See what I'm saying? Suffer for righteousness sake. People are looking for peace, and when they see your peace with Jesus, even while you're suffering, they're going to wonder how you got it. How are you doing this? I want it. So when everybody asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, as long as you keep the Lord God sanctified in your heart, you got those good tools kept in a good place, ready to use them, and that's how you can be ready with a defense for your faith and say, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Now you're working effectively because then you'll be speaking to them with clarity about the Lord God. Take your suffering and let's use it, okay? 
and and also first peter 3 and 16 we do it with meekness and fear having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Okay, how you communicate your reason for following Jesus, how you say it, your language is going to make or break whether people are going to listen to you or not. When you give your reasons for following Jesus, don't talk arrogantly. Well, I've been a Christian for over 20 years. Don't give your reasons like you're sharing your accomplishments. Share the gospel with meekness and fear, with a good conscience. Share the gospel with the remembrance that you are a sinner who was saved by grace. That's how you share it with meekness. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I was a messed up, messed up guy. You would have hated me if you'd have known me in the 90s or whatever. But the Lord saved me and he changed me. That's how you do it, like that with meekness. Sharing your reason with fear. It's the same as having respect in your tone. Have respect in the way you share the gospel. Thinking, man, I'm so glad the Lord saved me because if if he didn't wake me up, I'd be in big trouble. I'd be in huge trouble. There's the fear in that, right? Be gentle with your language when you talk to people about the gospel. Do not be drawn into arguments and religious debates because that's what people will always try to do. Peter said when they try to defame you, as evildoers, that's where people want to argue over religion, and they want to pin some kind of religious accusation on you so they can have an angle. Usually when people, uh, I tell them the gospel, and they go, what denomination are you? They're looking for the angle. I don't give them that. I say, I just read the Bible, and then they go, you can see them shift gears like, well, that didn't work. You know, I was hoping he'd say Baptist or Methodist or this is or that is, and they, they want some way in to hit you. Don't give them that. Don't talk religion. Don't go there. Have a good conscience, Peter said, because if you can compose yourself, keep yourself with good conduct, then it's going to shame the accuser if they're just trying to accuse you of being some kind of religious nut. If they come at you with a way of attack, well, what denomination or this, or you're probably one of those crazy guys that whatever. No, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That'll shame their attempt at trying to accuse you, and now they're going to listen. There was this guy, um, oh, I got a good story, this guy at Starbucks the other day. I'm wearing my hat with the fish hook on it that y'all see me wearing, and that fish hook is my reminder that if anybody asks me, oh, you go fishing, then I'm supposed to go, oh, yes, I do, (laughs) by the way, and he asked me that. He goes, you go fishing around here? I said, yeah, I do. He goes, well, where about? He goes, I like to fish. I said, I fish right here. He goes, well, I was in Clear Lake at the time. He goes, over the water at Clear Lake? I said, no, right here, right here. And I pointed at his register while I was buying coffee. He goes, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I'm here to tell people that Messiah Jesus is my Lord. He saved me, and uh, I was a messed up sinner, and you know, we just did the gospel. Oh, he did not like that one bit. I could tell by his... Language by his uh, the way he was that he was a very different kind of lifestyle, and he didn't like it at all. So he walked away, and he he literally walked away from me. And I thought, well, he's got to come back. So I didn't even get my coffee yet. He came back, and um, I said, so where do you like to fish? Let me let me tone it back. He he kind of blew a gasket. I said, where do you like to fish? He goes, I'm from Alaska. I I fish for salmon. I like to fish for salmon. And I said, well, I like to buy those little salmon, little salmon planks at HEB. And he goes, oh. he turned and he walked away from me again. And I'm like, what? 
it's kind of like somebody from Pennsylvania telling me they know what good barbecue is. I'm like, I'm from Texas. You don't know. And he turned and walked away from me again. I said, well, I said, well that, that little salmon plank was what was brought to me. That, that, that was the best I could get. And, you know, he goes, you don't know real salmon until you get it from the real source. You don't know salmon for real until you get it from the source in Alaska where it's really at. I said, well, you know, uh, my fishing that I do and, and about Jesus, he, he goes, no, I, I don't, I don't want to hear that. Christians are just such a, they're hypocrites. And I, and I said, yeah, but you don't know the real Christian until you get it from the source. And Jesus Christ, I'm just the plank that's available to you as close as I can get, but you've got to go get it from the real thing. And oh, he did not know what to do. Like, yes, Lord. But guys, that discussion took a lot of work. He walked away from me twice. What do I do with this guy? He like left me here and he's mad at me. You could tell he hated the gospel. He hated that I even brought it up. Having good conduct instead of going to war with him. Oh, I see how you are. Fine. Well, forget you. Forget my coffee. I'm leaving. You know, a lot of people do that. Having good conduct, that's your best defense against those who persecute you. Keeping discipline. Keep yourself biblically composed about yourself. That's the best way to win over those who are trying to unjustly punish you for your faith. That's what Peter's talking about. So whenever you go through a tough time, whenever you're going through pain, or when people try to persecute you, don't take it as unfair, woe is me. Peter says, 1 Peter 3 and 17, he says, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. I want you all to recognize what this Bible verse says here is that sometimes it is actually God's will for you to suffer. Now, let's not split hairs today and go, well, oh, you mean God was the one that was behind that thing that happened to me? And I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm asking you to hear the biblical context of what he's trying to tell us. It can be God's will for you to suffer if that's what it takes to do something good and righteous. I suffered with this man the other day to get the gospel into him. I could have quit two times like he did, but I didn't. I stayed right there. I suffered with him if that's what it takes. Now, guys, this is a totally lost concept today in modern Christianity. The second people hear about suffering, they're, they're like, no, that's not God, and they don't want anything to do with it. Most people freak out. They just cannot believe that God could ever dare have it in his mind for them to suffer anything at all. Why would God do that to me? God should just want to make me happy and give me what I want that makes me happy. Why would God want me to suffer at all? It just doesn't sound like God to them. And you hear it all the time. The atheists will ask me this question. If God is so good, then why is there suffering? That's like their number one question that they love to pin on me. If God is good, why is there suffering? Well, in their mind, all suffering should be eliminated by God or else God can't be good like he claims to be. That's their reasoning. Well, first off, we need to realize there are two different kinds of suffering. There's suffering for doing what's good and there's suffering for doing what's evil. And there will be both kinds of suffering in your life. And I know some of you are probably identifying some of that right now. Yeah, I went through that suffering because I did something really bad, and that was my consequence. I, I guess that's what I get. But then there's some suffering that hits you you had nothing to do with. God, that's when you say, God, why are you doing this to me? Because he's going to make an opportunity out of it if you will recognize it. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.